everybody. Welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. This month, we have the second half of our two-part series featuring Illumin. Last episode, we presented a few live improvisations and performances of two pieces by David Brown, Illumin's violinist and fearless leader. We also talked about David's pieces and learned a little bit about the ensemble, so if you haven't heard that one yet, you may want to pause here and go back and catch up. Okay, welcome back. That was a good one, right? Yeah, sorry, I messed up recording the interview and made David's audio quality sound so terrible. Um, but unfortunately, this episode was recorded in the same session, so his voice is, of course, affected in the same way. Again, I apologize, and I promise it won't happen again. Anyway, we have some more gems in store for you this episode. We've got some flute and drum miniatures by Dave, improvisations with us and Illumin, and the premiere recordings of two new works of mine and Dave Trums. So to start things off, Here's Dave and I performing a collection of four flute and drum miniatures that he wrote for our duo. The first two movements you might have heard back in episode one, but the third and fourth movements will be brand new to even you diehard fans. What you'll hear is a compilation of our favorite takes from the two nights we performed, and these pieces are so much fun to play. Dave did a really awesome job writing the flute parts, and they, they fit into the drum grooves in these really cool and intricate ways that make it really fun to play.
were there any other thoughts you had about your piece or anything um, that you want to talk about now? Talk about, yeah, your, your composition. Sure. Um, sure. So I, I think. I'll, I'll yeah I'll probably give a you know a preface bit but um, general thoughts after the fact I'm really I mean I'm amazingly amazingly happy with how it turned out for that piece um, that was one where um, I've always struggled with writing longer pieces so this was one that uh, ended up sneaking up on me which is probably the better way if I it clocked in at almost 17 minutes probably with the pauses between movements it is around there. Um, if I had set out saying, like, I'm going to write a 17-minute work doing this, I would have inevitably talked myself out of it, like, <laughs> for sure. Um, but because the piece folds in on itself so many times, um, every time I made a conscious decision of, like, no, no, I really feel like this next bit is important, whatever this X, Y, Z, you know, next few bars or this next gesture, um, every time I made a choice like that, that next 15 seconds of music then just builds out exponentially across the movement. So every 15 seconds that I add is really like, you know, another minute and a half or two by the time you see all the places that it informs and expands. Because um, I remember, I mean, before we had the final music that I gave you guys, we were looking at, I was still estimating like oh, 10, 10, or 12. 10, 12, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I was like, I was figuring 12 was like an optimistic high end number. Um, but then, yeah, once I actually sat down and counted it, it was like, oh, oh yeah, that really expanded quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I think the thing I struggled with the most with this piece was the text. Um, I'm happy with the text now having, oh, <laughs> having, I'm glad yeah, like, ha too. <laughs> yeah, having, having time to like, uh, sit with it and hear it in like performance and having worked it through. I like it. I'm very insecure as a, as a writer cause I'm not really a lyricist, but, um, I think it worked out really well. The, um, the lyrics that, uh, Caitlin sings at the end of the fourth movement. Uh, it's where the, really the second movement's theme comes back again. But the, um, uh, was it, tonight we lay bare our secrets, our weakness, that mm -hmm. whole bit. That was actually the first stanza that I wrote. And I wrote it long before everything mm -hmm. else. But I mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what it made, like, I, it didn't seem to make sense to me in the context of the piece. Because the larger piece was about time and eternity and that kind of stuff. And whereas this was more of a confessional and in a very first person voice, whereas everything else had been more general. Uh, but I just, my gut was telling me like, but this belongs in the piece. This is mm -hmm. important. Just don't know how the hell it's supposed to work into it. Um, so I ended up kind of just working on the other sections. There was a long time where because the movements overlapped, I remember I was talking with Dave and Caitlin about this while I was working on it, that I was trying to get these clever games of like some of the words of one movement finish sentences of the other movement and they pass back and forth. And I've played games with that before, but ultimately what I came to realize the more I was working through the piece was that um, basically like uh, if I was to have pulled that off to do this kind of intellectual word game, it would have sacrificed the meaning heavily. It would have been too broken in lines of thought to have done it effectively. I bet there are poets out there who could do it, but this was just not, it was above my pay grade. And, um, so what I ended up kind of settling on with myself was I was just saying like, what I ended up telling myself was that, um, in this piece, I was reflecting so much on the idea of time <laughs> and time being a means of control and being more of an intellectual thing that we apply. It's, it's our way of processing the world around us, the way we interpret it. And 
what I was telling myself is like the last thing you should do on a piece that's speaking about really the significance of love and eternity and larger aspects is to sacrifice the meaning and the message for the sake of an intellectual controlled process of trying to make <laughs> lyrics that act like, you know, like a Rube Goldberg. It was the music does that more than enough on its own. Just let the message speak and let the music guide it. So that was kind of where I settled on that. I think that was the right call. What you yeah, came up with so was well. so cool. I, you Thank know, you. The lyrics Agreed. that that you wrote, you know, and and combined with the the words are so yeah, Thank meaningful you. and passionate and See, I think it, it really it, really, it was it, so much fun it, listening. It I was nicely. glad I didn't play the whole thing cuz I just got to listen to the first <laughs> and the fifth movement. And so so gorgeous to listen to and cool. Thank fun you. to participate in too, but it's, it's nice to have a Tacit movement too. Well, and you two were like the you you were you were on the spot the most for that. Yeah. Piece. How about what did what did you make of it? I mean, I was I was thinking in particular of, of how much extended um, uh, sort of rangy and expressive uh, singing you had to do in every single movement of that piece. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was. I mean, that was not so much a challenge as you know, being in everything on the program with the exception of the first, <laughs> you know, the first piece. Yeah. Um, but no, no, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was no crazy rangy. It seemed like you had fun singing it. It was a <laughs> lot of fun to sing. I mean, as you know, you would hope a lot, a lot of what all of you wrote, you know, would get stuck in my head as I was going home. But I'm trying to think of, there was this one and I'm, I'm totally blanking on the text now. Um, where it's, uh, oh, I don't remember the section now, but there, there was a line of text and it was just so beautiful. And I, it was around the spot where I, I missed my note because I was just, <laughs> I was just enjoying the text so much and sort of how everything was coalescing. And of course, you know, singing with the recording of ourselves was really wild, but really, really cool. And I thought extremely innovative. So it was, uh, it was, that was a lot of fun. I thought the lyrics at the ends of some of the internal movements were just very sort of stunning, you know, and it just left left that hanging, and yeah. I you could kind of feel the audience going. Uh-huh. <laughs> you couldn't see what I just did, but I made this like <laughs> like a stunned face. <laughs> Insert stunned face. But yeah, I th- I really appreciated that, and then and you know as we as we'd go into the next thing, I'd have to like recover from that moment, and then. Go yeah, on. It was, it was very cool. Piece. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's, um, yeah, in that, in that same sense of the lyrics, I feel like part of it was that um, because it starts off so general and then it hones in so focused, it's, I'm, I'm very happy to say I did not plan it that way, but it ended up naturally taking shape that um, I think the same way that the music... I just keep thinking of it like an onion, but the way the music kind of unfolds one layer at a time, right. you also are kind of getting the, the narrator uh, unfolding one layer at a time. So you get from speaking in generalities about important themes to then slowly peeling back the layers until it's really getting to more vulnerable I statements instead of general. So really, I, I like that. And then the last movement is like after everything's been exposed, then you right. get to reflect on everything as a whole. So. 
Very cool. I thought that was really stunning for the audience. I mean, any, any time that you finish a piece and there's just like that sort of anticipation because nobody wants to move. <laughs> was, I don't was, want to be out of it yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know what I thought? I, actually, my favorite part about that was, I, I forget whether this happened in multiple movements or if it was just in the second movement, but where Sean would play just those those triplets that, that yeah. occur. Uh, bum, 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 bum. In tritones, in tritone apart from each other, and it just and it leaves off like that, and and to me that that reminded me of oh, there's and I am not going to think of it now either. I haven't actually tried to think of what what there's there's another great piece of music that builds tension so well. Anyway, it's it 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 was it was such an uh, effective um, uh, setup. It was such an effective structure. I think structure. Is, is the most important facet of a great piece of music. And, and I loved the structure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, we talked about this previously when I was working on it, that structure is by far one of my insecurities. So I think uh, worked, yeah. <laughs> only in that so often that we were, we were talking about our processes um, where, uh, David, you were saying that you kind of lay out the structure before you set a piece in motion. You kind of know where it's going. And oftentimes, um, for me, it's kind of an experience it's more of an ex like an unfolding or an exploration exploration as I figure it out. Um, so like I'll I'll have elements that I know I want, and then just I organically grow in different directions. Um, so there have been pieces of mine in the past where I feel like structurally it's lacking because of that. Um, but in this case, I think it worked out really well. I kept I kept my eye on the overall shape a lot better on this. I think. I'm I'm proud of that. I'm yeah, yeah. You should be. Yeah. yeah. That's a scary thing to me to just go without a plan. Um, I do some of both sometimes, and I, and I've gotten more. I think as I've developed like writing more short form songs, mm -hmm. I've I've gotten better at that with my longer form things as well. And you know, having a plan, even if you don't stick to it. I think is a comforting thing for me. Like I know where this is going to end up approximately. So that is, I'm not just like going blindly and trying to find my ending. Next up, we're proud to present Dave Trum's Eternity is Like Unto a Ring. Before we do, Dave, tell us a little more about your piece. This piece is a reflection on the relationships between time, love, and eternity, with English writer John Bunyan's poem, Upon Time and Eternity, framing the work as the text for the first and final movements. The rest of the text is self-composed, though I pulled much inspiration from the writings of Robert Browning, Henry David Thoreau, and C.S. Lewis. Just as the song's lyrics state that a ring has no beginning, middle, or end, this piece foregoes a linear narrative structure and instead exists largely within one musical moment, which is explored one layer at a time. Over the course of the piece, musical motives and even whole movements are overlaid, intertwined, and appear in reverse, revealing new insights and relationships between them. This exploration and gradual unfolding of musical layers also parallels the journey of the text as it slowly proceeds from the universal to the more intimate and vulnerable.
Next on the program, we have my song cycle entitled Shower Thoughts. Each movement of this one was based on a text found on the subreddit of the same name, and I varied the style and instrumentation to create a different sound world for each text. I'm going to save our discussion of the piece till afterwards because I think it presents best without too much preamble.
We get to talk about your piece now? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, so my piece, I, I struggled with finding a text as well. And um, eventually when I settled on the shower thoughts idea, I had a, a lot of fun just surfing the Reddit board. And I saved a million different screenshots of ones that I liked and then, you know, went back and picked out a bunch that I thought would work and narrowed them down from there and then started working in, you know, on different musical ideas for each of them and coming up with a concept. And it was fun to have that 
um, have my texts be so disparate and giving me the perfect excuse to write in varying styles, which is what I like to do anyway, and, um, you know, explore some worlds that were either very conventional or very weird and you know i feel like they all paid off in the end they did they did i kept they your tunes have been floating around in my head <laughs> yeah. ever since well i must admit me too i woke up like yesterday with it in my head and it's usually yeah. infuriating when i have my own piece stuck in my head but that one is pretty fun so it's i'm very not, fun yeah. Uh, especially when I'm working on something, if I'm recording something or if I'm writing something like actively and it gets stuck in my head, I just do not want to think about it when I'm not, when I'm not thinking about it. So like, I'll just put on anything to get that. Or I have a bank of songs in my head that I know are catchy and I'll just flip the switch and try to think of something else. So off of my own thing. (laughs) I still firmly stand by you should make a YouTube video of some sort for that one yeah i think I mean, that's, that's gonna be so the catchy. that's gonna be the christmas <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Year. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. it's gonna be my hit <laughs> might well, very well be yeah I, you know i think it was actually it was a great way to because i talked to a lot of people after both concerts many of whom are many of whom are um, clients of mine at the gym and uh, so I, you know, I had their entire workouts to discuss the, <laughs> the finer details of, uh, of the concert. And what was so interesting is that I was, um, you know, I, 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 was, I didn't quite know how to describe this concert because there was so much variety. And that's mostly because of your piece. I mean, the improvisations were very interesting and, and something you don't usually get. And the last movement of your piece, Dave, was something that I think really shocked people. Um, yeah, they probably weren't expecting it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually fun to watch people looking around like, did you hear that sound? <laughs> and then, started, and then like, the realization. And they started to realize that this yeah. was part of the, which was cool. But, I mean, the real wild card of the concert was Shower Thoughts, I thought. And, um, and, and people loved it. Like, they thought it was so much better. You, you, you had... I mean, as I described, you know, people who would not otherwise come to classical, so-called classical music concerts, uh, really, really jazzed about atonal pointillism <laughs> and, and reading from a graphic score. And, I mean, they didn't just like the catchy Christmas tune or the tuba waltz or the, right. which was also a fun little thing to throw in there. I mean, or, or I mean, I, think, I mean, it was all it was all just great, and and people really, it was fun to hear them laugh when they when they heard the punchlines and when they heard. I mean. It, it was. It was. It was kind. Of, it, in one way, it was a. It's a very serious um, uh, piece in terms of its. <laughs> we have a little cameo with D.O.G. here. Coming <laughs> out in your bed. Yeah. A little toenail percussion well, in the background. Sorry. Yeah. So, so it was. It was. Um, it was just. It was. A great way to handle these these little like vignette type these little pithy uh, Reddit thoughts mm-hmm. um, in a in a way that was that was extremely accessible but extremely smart mm-hmm. um, and so much fun to perform. Like Thank that, you. that was the best part. Like I just had Absolutely. a blast doing. I think that's kind of the key with humor of any any kind. You have to be appealing to people and be well thought out enough that you're having a, you know, doing, saying something that's worthwhile, you know, it's not just why did the chicken cross the road 
humor, but, you know, I think it has to be smart, but speak to everybody and, you know, get it. And humor is something that's become a lot more important in my life since uh, last November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the previous one. But, uh, God, it has been too long. But, but yeah, like, it's just an escape. And, like, most of the time I don't want to be thinking about the state of the world because it's horrifying in so many ways. We need and laughter more than Yeah, I, I agree. The, you know, the problems that are on my mind are not going to be solved with a song anyway. I've tried. <laughs> Lots of people have tried. It's not working. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there needs to be music for pure entertainment value. And, you know, not that there's not value other than that in my pieces, but... I think one of the things that, um, with the use of the shower thoughts that really stood out to me with it is that like, when you read the shower thoughts on Reddit, it's basically the same as like looking at memes mm -hmm. on imager where it's like set up punchline all within one image. Like it's immediate. And what I loved about it is that by playing it out over what, two minutes or mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. You each were about two minutes. Yeah. You kind of like, you really get to live inside and feel the facets of the setup on each one. Like you really that I had a lot of so fun great. with that. Yeah. And and that was like part of the idea was like giving these ephemeral thoughts a stupid amount of time <laughs> and putting in so much effort to craft these and it's not just the two minutes that you know we spent performing them, but all the time we spent rehearsing and, and I spent writing and it's just ridiculous to put that much time into one little thought, shot, thought that somebody thought up in the shower. So I was glad that it tied in on that bigger level to our theme and, you know, worked on a couple different. Dramatically, they were a little bit uh, challenging because they often, you know, you're trying not to give away the punchline too quickly. <laughs> and on the second concert, I actually couldn't like help. But after the third movement, like before it like had even sunk into them, I know I broke a smile because it was. I just thought it was so funny. And I, know I you're talking about being naked. Yeah, and confused. Don't give the punchline. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I'm most proud of that laugh that I got at the the end of that one. That man. <laughs> nicely next up we've got our first improvisation of the episode this one was based on the text sleep tight sweet dreams angels guide dave played the steel tongue drum in this one which worked well to create this sort of placid texture that doesn't develop much over the course of the piece we just kind of created this space and played around within it
we talk a lot on this podcast, I feel like, about redefining success. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about um, performing and sort of chasing that perfect performance. I have a lot of my students who um, get down on themselves because they want to be able to produce a fully formed, perfect take of whatever they're working on, and they want to be able to do it on command in their lesson. How, how many times a week I hear, <laughs> I could play this at home, yep. is you, you all hear it too. <laughs> and, and every time I hear that, I say, everyone tells me that, and I get it. I have been in your situation before. I know. We're sitting in a little room. It's not that much pressure, but it's more pressure than being by yourself. So I, I, I often say, guess how many perfect performances I've had in my life? And I say approximately zero. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Maybe there was one and there was perfect, but about zero. Um, so, you know, we were, I, I'm my harshest critic for sure. I'm, I bet most of you are as well. And so, you know, there's performing such a, a dense and ambitious concert that we did. There was no hope that we were going to get every single note in the right place. And, and I think we did a great job of, you know, making the whole thing come together and creating a really cool experience, but it was by no means perfect. And listeners, you will probably hear that on some of the recordings. You might notice a note or two out of place. You might not. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how to reconcile that and not, you know, expect perfection and... I don't know. What are your thoughts? This isn't a question. I realize that. <laughs> Trying to start a discussion, I guess. Well, I guess I can, I can speak because I, I know how hard I am on myself. I will forever not forgive myself for mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to happen, and I'm just going to be angry at myself after every performance, <laughs> I guess, because just, it's just the way it is. I, you know, my rational brain goes... Well, of course you're going to make mistakes, but like my heart is going, are you kidding me <laughs> again? So I don't know. I think I know it's a fact of life that you make mistakes. I, I applaud anyone here who is cool with it, walking away from a performance and can go, you know, on to the next one. Maybe it'll go better next time. I think recording has also changed my view on this and it has, I've kind of oscillated back and forth between whether I hate myself more after a concert or less. <laughs> I mean, the first, the first concert that we played on Friday, for example, I, I felt like I made more mistakes than I wanted to, more mistakes than I should have. And, and got down on myself a little bit after that. And then I came home and listened to the recordings, not the whole thing, but I kind of, you know, skimmed and, and listened through and I was like, these sound really good. And, you know, I was like, well, okay, I, I'm sure I messed up in a couple spots, but that was kind of the confirmation. Like, okay, we, we did a good thing today. This was, you know, well rehearsed and, and well put together. So I can't tell you how often that's happened to me where I've, I'll remember a, a specific mm -hmm. passage or a, a specific note. Yeah, Caitlin, Caitlin can speak to this. We'll, we'll finish a concert. I'll have recorded it. I'll be telling her exactly the measure, exactly the note that I, I missed, a big shift that I didn't nail. We go back and listen to it. And I, I mean, to my the best of my uh, my oral perception, I nail it, and I and I have no memory of doing it correctly. So, so <laughs> we are absolutely our own harshest critics, and 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 that has really drawn my attention to the degree to which we are. Well, and and I imagine many of us here are you know 
sort of perfectionists and you know it's like every wrong note just kind of like cuts into you a little <laughs> bit and I um you know I, I'll have students who will like you know play a wrong note or sing a wrong note and like I can see them visibly get tense after they do it and afterward I'm just like you just have to like let it go let the mistake go mistake I mean you know I, and and it took a long time to reconcile with myself because I too am a perfectionist and uh with singing, it's it's a little bit, um, in my opinion, uh, a trickier game of like not forgetting things, since a lot of the repertoire is performed from memory, and uh, you know, big train wrecks where you forget stuff can be just like the most terrifying prospect ever. <laughs> I can um, can't even imagine. I, I, I fudge English words. When I was, oh, well, I mean, you could. I mean, so you can fudge some things. Not endorsing that, but like when I was. Foreign languages do not. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, when I was in high school, I had like a major, like memory slip, and. It, uh, I was, I was still pretty young and I, there, like, I didn't even know how to fudge it. I just like stopped singing oh. and it was, it was so devastating. Traumatic. And I, I, rem I remember getting off, you know, finishing the piece and just being like, oh, what just happened? And it, I, I don't know that I've had a moment like that since. Yeah, I thought you were going to say high school was the last time you had a memory slip. No, 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 no definitely <laughs> not. But I've, I've come to kind of accept that like the mistakes will happen and a lot of times they happen in places that they've never happened in rehearsal. Totally. They're not the moments you're, you've like practiced and drilled a million times that like maybe just never quite went right. They're like, you know, random things. And just kind of like, you know, keeping the stress low and remembering it's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere and just let it go. Let it go and keep going. Uh, to me, that is about as successful a, a performance as you can muster. Yeah, I agree. Something I tell my students too, like they're, they're like, well, what if I mess up? And like, if they're getting ready for a recital, I'm like, well, nobody's going to die. <laughs> like, I'm really glad that this is my job and I'm not a doctor. And if I make a mistake, I'm not going to get sued because somebody's going to die on my operating table. Like the stakes are, are so low. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah, that's a good thing. I, people don't, I think the word play gets, a, you know, used when talking about making music all the time but i don't think people think of it in the same sense of the real meaning of that word and i think it you know should be play when you're playing music and yeah. hope you know hopefully you can <clears throat> get yourself rehearsed enough to <laughs> where you can and there's no play enjoy it. Yeah. right exactly and if you know you put in the time you'll be less uh, anxious right, exactly anxiety will affect you less that is the biggest way to wrong, avoid yeah. you know uh, will probably be minimal and you know, you imperceptible can't, and you to can't the audience. Yourself yeah, right. Because you, did, you did everything. You literally right. did exactly yeah. everything you could do. I found that like um, having improvised so much over time has impacted like, as we all have said, like I'm incredibly self-critical, but in my brain I almost have like a two-tiered system. <laughs> 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 like, because um, in like when you're improvising or at least when I improvise, the way I look at it is not so much like there's right notes and wrong notes. It's like there are terrible choices, undoubtedly. <laughs> there, there are just some things that's like, oh, no, that was not not, not the right idea. Uh, but then the rest of them, there's like, okay. Like, there's like, that, that did the job. 
no, it depends where you go from there. Exactly. But got, it depends yeah. on where yeah, you yeah. take it, how you sell it, where you play it. Like, um, and then there's like this spectacular, like, yeah, that was exactly what I was feeling. I was in the flow. It went perfectly. Um, and I think that is, I don't know when it happened, but it's gradually taken over in my playing for at least a decade or so now where um, I don't get on my case about mistakes that are in the midst of the flow. Like if I'm feeling like I'm flowing, I'm grooving, it's feeling good, and I make a mistake where I know I played the thing I didn't intend to, but I also know that unless somebody has the score in front of them or they're hearing, most people are hearing for the first time, they're going to just accept it that that's the way the song sounds. It won't be out of place. Those I can let go pretty easily where I get more on my cases that then there's like the ones where I'm like, all right, that was just painfully obvious. <laughs> but then even I find like the ones I think are painfully obvious still, if you're looking at an audience with fresh ears that doesn't know what they're looking for, about two thirds of those are still forgiven just of them listening to it in the moment in the experience. Right. So that's usually where I try and it's over intellectualizing it, but where I try and explain it away, get rid of some of the, the worries on it. It's just like, well, in the scheme of all the notes that I was like, ah, oh, it should have gone X, Y, Z only about like, you know, 20 to 15% of those ones I have issue with really are something that anybody would have walked away thinking like, what happened there? Was right. that intended? Was that, yeah, exactly. I actually had exactly one of those moments of the former persuasion in your piece oh, for one of the concerts. Tell me which spot. This it was <laughs> during the Awaken the Joy, Awaken the Pain. Oh, okay. And I actually, I just, I was just getting so into it and I just like, went down instead of going up and I I was like well that was really interesting that never <laughs> happened before but I again it was the same kind of thing I was it like well you know out. I was really into it I was really enjoying myself so exactly if, it, if it's in the flow and mm -hmm. it was fitting in the same diatonic world nobody's going to ever know that's right yeah. well now they will <laughs> well behind the scenes I was gonna say unless we played one here's the right way here's the wrong way yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a really interesting approach. I like I like how you're sort of rationalizing and giving yourself those allowances. Oh, yeah. Permission. Yeah. yeah. Permission and, and, to and that, be human. that line is is a cool mental yeah, a mental attitude to to have. I try to be, you know, as forgiving of myself, of course. But that's probably a good way to, you know, keep yourself on edge about the big mistakes yeah. and <laughs> avoiding those and well, that's like with the, the other um, ones go by. Yeah, uh, with the Eternity piece, the same one that we were just talking about. I remember for me on the Glockenspiel, on our second night, it's probably the take we're going to end up showing, because I think that was the more solid night. The, um, the, the ballad, the third movement. Really good. Yeah, yeah, it sounded lovely. And on the third movement, there's this exposed Glockenspiel part that I do right off the top. And there was some sour note where I hit, like, you know, between the two bars. And it happened, I was just like, uh, just keep going. And it, it, it rolled. And in my head, I was just like, you know what? We're gonna do this exact same music next movement, and then I'm gonna nail it. It'll be <laughs> that's kind of the blessing of having so much Second musical chances. material. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was like, well, they'll know what it's supposed to sound like <laughs> on the next one. <laughs> and sure enough, the, the next one flowed just fine. So. Awesome. Yeah, that happens too a lot of times with like you know my students are playing something and they miss one note and they want to go back and get it. I'm like, get it the next time. Yeah. Just, it's gonna that note is gonna come back. Just make sure it's a flat the next time yeah. <laughs> you're whoever is judging you if you're sight reading or whatever on an audition they will they'll be impressed that you skipped over it the first time and noticed it fixed and it. fixed yeah. it the second time without having to go back for our last selection of the day we'll leave you with one more improvised piece this one is based on the text once again submitted by an audience member oh to have arms like jody 
Hopefully this will come across with our muscular music, but in case you've never seen Jody's arms yourself, she is ripped. Thank you so much for listening to Sean and Dave Make Music, and thanks again to our guests at Lumen. We had a fantastic time working together, and we're really proud of what we created. Extra thanks are due specifically to David Brown as well for arranging our intro and outro theme for these episodes. He cleverly combined our theme melody with material from his, mine, and Dave's pieces, and put them together in a way that actually works, um, which is impressive. It's one of my favorite versions we've done so far, and so I'm glad we got to play it four times over this episode series. For more information on Illumin and their concerts, check out www.illuminmusic.org. And if you like our show, please don't forget to like and subscribe, tell your friends about it. And you can always reach out to us on Facebook or at seanandavemakemusic at gmail.com if you have any questions, suggestions, or if you're interested in being a guest in the future. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next month.